Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. I sense so much hunger uh, this morning as we were praying. I, I really, I don't know how it will lead today, but I really do believe that um, as, we, as we close in a time of prayer that, that God is going to do some, some beautiful things here. So I, I just say that, not, I hate false hype. How many of you guys hate hype? I'm not interested in hype. I'm not interested in just proclaiming things that lead to no breakthrough and no, no miracles coming through. I'm talking about actually standing on the Word of God and really leaning into what the Spirit of God is saying. And, and I believe that if, if we would just allow the Spirit of God just to begin to raise some expectation that there's going to be some beautiful God encounters here today. So I, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 7 through 11. I'm just going to really, I want to jump into this because I want to leave time for us to minister together at the end. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. We're going we're gonna to pick back up on our series. For those of you who are maybe here for uh, the first time, or you, if you haven't been here the last few weeks, we've, we've really been speaking in general on the Holy Spirit, but especially the last few weeks, we have camped out on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we've laid down some, some really important groundwork the last few weeks with being open to the Spirit, right? Even though it's God's will for the Spirit of God to manifest, we still need to be open. We shared that God's will is that none shall perish, but people are still perishing, right? We have to come into alignment and, and say, Lord, we're open for you to move. And we spoke about the way of love, the importance of love being the foundation for, for the Spirit of God moving through us. And today, I want to actually start to break open the gifts. I want to actually start to teach on them. Now, some of them we may group together. Other ones we'll do by themselves. Like today, we're going to isolate one that I think will lay down a necessary foundation for us. What I want to speak with you on today is the gift of faith. The gift of faith. I want to, I want to share this. I, I believe that what God is going to do, what he shared with me, when he told me to come and teach on these and stay here and teach on the gifts is because uh, it's going to be an equipping time. Paul said to, to the church at Corinth, he said, I don't want you to be uninformed. The lack of knowledge uh, can not only distort the gifts, but also just prevent them from even being experienced because we just don't understand what is happening, so we stay away. So as we simply talk and teach on these, I believe it's going to lead to an increased activity in our life to see God move. There was a scripture that the Lord highlighted to me in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. I'll just, I'll read this, the, the last portion of it. It says this, it says, but the people who know their God will display strength and take action. He says, knowledge will lead to a strengthening, which will lead to us actually taking action. And I believe that as we're teaching through the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, we're coming into a greater knowledge of who the Holy Spirit is. And as a result, it's strengthening us and emboldening us to actually take action for the Holy Spirit to work through us. Now, before we jump in, let me just share this. I want to set the stage because God is, is just, man, he was fanning the flame in my heart going through this. And I was, I was reading, um, I don't know if you guys have this. I have some, some, there's certain men and women of God that I tend to come back to every single week, actually, read their books because they, they just keep me sharp. You know what I mean? Like when you start to kind of, feel like you're in a little complacent, obviously outside of the word of God. Um, there's just certain men that when I read them, man, it's like, wow, we're, all right, we're going after the same thing. And for me, A.W. Tozer is one of those guys. When I just read his stuff, it just, it just reminds me of, yes, we're, we're, we're going after the right thing. 
And he, said, he, he, he shared this illustration. I want to set the stage here that is so important. And I think it's really fitting for what we're going into. And what he said was, he said he grew up or, or he lived at some time, he lived on, uh, in Pennsylvania, on the fields of Pennsylvania. And he uses a little bit of a crude illustration to, illustri- to, to make this point, but I think it's fitting for where we're going. He said that uh, they had a cornfield, large cornfields, and the crows used to come and attack these cornfields. And so what his dad did was his dad actually sought after an older crow, killed it, hung it by its, its feet in the middle of the cornfield on a stick. And so none of the crows would come around because they were scared when they saw that. The point I want to make is that I believe that's a similar strategy of what Satan has used when it comes to the manifestation of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and really being open to the Holy Spirit moving. In the middle of God's cornfield, he's taken a dead crow and stuck it there so that when we look at as Christians and we look at the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and we look at the power of God, we see something that's been abused and something that has led into the counterfeit and he's stuck it there so that all of us will say, well, let's just leave it alone then. But my friends, I'm not willing to forfeit our birthright and our inheritance. And so even though, yes, there may be abuses and counterfeits, we need to pursue the truth of God because it's as God manifests through us that he's causing transformation around us. Not only in us, but in this body and people. And as we even shared last week with Johnny, how fitting it was, even in in a a cosmic level, God God is causing renewal. Do you know that if you were to take, if you were to find a young man who is full of life, if you looked in his eyes, you could see the, 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 the light of, of life in his eyes, and he had a vibrant voice, and every, every aspect of him just, just shows that this man is, has, has life and life abounding in him. But if that man were to pass away, he'd be nothing more than a corpse. And I want you to hear this. He, the life source of him would be removed. And if you were to go pay respects at the funeral, they'd probably say, come and see the remains. The remains is all that is left of what once used to be vibrant and full of life, but now that the life source is gone, all you have is the remains. My friends, that's what happens when we quench the Holy Spirit, when we don't let the Spirit of God move in our midst, and when we are afraid to let him work in powerful ways, the church is left to be nothing but remains. There is a fire in my heart for the Spirit of God to pour out for us to say, Holy Spirit, come, we need you. Because without it, we are nothing but remains. And you know what the problem with that is? Is that the church, and everyone knows this, still has to perform its functions. So we still evangelize. We still try to do missions. We still have to teach the word of God. Except now, rather than depending on the Holy Spirit, what are we reduced to? Humanism. Mere human methods. Do we understand there's, there's just something God just, man, just breathed in my heart this week. This is what we're seeing in our day and age. It's the reason why the church looks just like the same tactics you see on, on Madison Avenue and Wall Street. We have to use sales. We have to use advertisement. We have to be clever because we have not allowed the spirit of God to be moved and actually capture hearts. It's why we have to follow in line with political persuasion. Paul says, I don't use wise and persuasive words. I preach Christ, and then I let the gospel be demonstrated in power. This is what we have to return to. It's not a new teaching. It's actually the biblical roots. And if we don't allow the Spirit of God to move that way, then guess what? 
we have to use wise and persuasive words to keep people. And at first it may seem this is really good, but at the end of the day, I believe that people are starting to realize that's cheap. Because when life hits them, there's no substance there. And I want to see the power of God move in this place. Brittany, Brittany sent me something from a book, Heaven Invades Earth, that just, man, it rocked me because it so convicted me. And it was just a small portion from one, one section of, of, of the book. And what, it, what the point was basically of when we have a lack of experience, right? When, when we read something in the scriptures and then we ourselves are not experiencing it, we all have the tendency to seek to create a doctrine to explain our lack of experience. Rather than going back on our knees and crying out to God, to say, Lord, I hunger for the more. And I've realized how often my lack of experience, I see things in the scriptures, but I'm not seeing it myself in my life. How often I've allowed that to say, well, let me try to figure out a way to explain why I'm not experiencing it. Rather than actually falling down on my knees and say, Lord, I know it's there. I've seen it in the scriptures. Men have walked in this, God. I pray, God, that you'd pour it out in my life. This is what we need. We need the spirit of God poured out. We need to come back to a place where we trust in just the simplicity of Jesus and then know that as we step out in faith, he's going to move in power. So I want to, I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. And we're going to teach a little bit. I'm going to share some different portions of scripture to speak into the gift of faith. Let's just, let's read this together. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance or the word of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And finally in verse 11 it says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so we're going to talk today on the gift of, of faith, the gift of faith. And as I, I shared, we'll, I, we may group some together. I don't know how God will exactly lead it, but we're going to make sure that we teach through these. This is probably not even an exhaustive list of all of the gifts. We know that in other portions of Scripture, we see gifts that refer to as ministry gifts, the fivefold motivational gifts in Romans, but here's where we're camped out. These are, are manifestations of the Holy Spirit through people. Um, there's nine total in here. You can break up these gifts in a lot of ways. One of the ways in uh, how we'll focus on it is, is basically three groups of three. There's your discerning gifts, which deal with things like words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and then discerning of spirits. There's declarative gifts, which deal with um, gifts like prophecy and tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And then you have your dynamic gifts, which deal with this uh, uh, release of power that can deeply change lives and circumstances. And that deals with gift of faith, gift of healing, and the gift of miracles. Now, I want to start here with the gift of faith because in so many ways, I think all of us could agree that there's, there's a foundational aspect to this. If you actually, if you actually look through the scriptures... And we'll do this in the upcoming weeks. You'll see how faith is often connected to the releasing of other gifts, right? When the Spirit of God releases the gift of faith, you can often see healing take place or uh, you'll see gifting of miracles take place. What's also interesting is I want you to see how these work together is we know that in the scriptures it says that hearing comes by or, or faith comes by 
hearing. I gave you the answer. Darn it. <laughs> Faith comes by hearing. And so if you look at the other gifts, right, it's really interesting to see how words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, tongues, when it's interpreted, actually is, is God speaking. And that can actually provoke faith, which then can lead to other gifts. So you can see how these things work together. For example, I, wanna, I want you to see this in scriptures. We speak often about, right, we've, we spoke often about the Samaritan woman, right, the woman that, at the well that Jesus meets. And the Lord was showing me this, that Jesus comes and meets with this woman who we know is a, living a promiscuous life. She's uh, an outcast in her society. And, and long story short, Jesus has this encounter with her at the well in order to really point to himself that he's, he's the living water that she needs. But in the midst of their conversation, in the midst of their conversation, Jesus is talking to her and says, go call your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. He says, that's right. And he says, you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. And what Jesus did is he actually spoke a word of knowledge to her. You see, when we come against the gifts, we don't realize these gifts manifested in the life of Jesus as he lived. And so he actually spoke a word of knowledge. And what happened was when that word of knowledge was spoken, it so touched her heart that it actually began the process of repentance and leading her to faith in Christ. And when she said, how could you know this about me? It so deeply touched her. And it not only touched her to a saving faith, but I believe the gift of faith was released in her life because she was essentially a revivalist back in her town in which everyone began to believe in Jesus Christ. All because the word of faith, uh, the word of, of knowledge was spoken. And so I just want to share that how the gifts can often work together. Now the Bible teaches that there's essentially three types of faith. There's what we probably know most commonly, which is saving faith. So we see this in scriptures like Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. This is saving faith. Scriptures also talk about what some call fruit faith. In the fruit of the Spirit, the ninefold fruit of the Spirit, there's, there's one of them is, is a faith that leads to faithfulness to God. But this faith is different. This, is, this gift of faith is also known as special faith. And this is, this is a special impartation by the Holy Spirit that comes upon a person that produces a profound confidence in God's power, his word, and his presence that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And it leads men and women to take heroic stands for the kingdom of God and to make kingdom advancements. Man, as we begin to see this in the scriptures, we are going to see how desperately we need to be hungry for the gift of faith to be released in this body. We need voices of faith to rise up when we come against obstacles that seem insurmountable. We need faith to rise up to say it's possible God has made a way for us. There's a, there's a well-known charismatic priest by the name of Dennis Bennett who defines it this way. He says it's a sudden surge of faith, usually in crisis, to confidently believe without a doubt that as we act or speak in Jesus' name, it shall come to pass. And so typically where you'll see the gift, gift of faith take place, you'll often see it when there's anxiety and fear. When the people of God have their faith wavering, God will release the Spirit to provoke the, the gift of faith. An example of this is in, in the book of Acts with Paul. Towards the end of, of book of Acts, Acts chapter 27, Paul goes on this journey where he's a prisoner of the Lord. Uh, he's a prisoner of, of Rome. 
And while he's on this journey, he warns these guards and says, look, we shouldn't go on this trip. We shouldn't take this ride. Uh, but they go anyway. And long story short is they run into a horrific storm. So bad it says that there's no sun. They have no food. They literally have to discard all of the cargo on the ship. They are convinced they're going to die. And Paul actually stands up. He has a vision. He has, he has an encounter with God that says, you're going to make it. And he says, and Paul, you're going to keep preaching the gospel. And Paul, these are to unbelievers. Paul then says this in Acts 27, 25. He says, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. So in the midst of fear and people are, uh, are concerned for their lives, the gift of faith was released to Paul to stand up and say, guys, God has spoken a word to me. He will do just as he promised. You have to understand how important this is for us to say, Lord, you need to move this way in our body. The gift of faith will often strengthen believers to take action. The gift of faith essentially says, guys, God is ready to move. He's made a way. That's our inheritance. Let's move now. Let's take a step forward. And I'm just laying down some groundwork for you. We're going to see this in the scriptures, but you'll see the gift of faith to propel the body forward to continue to make kingdom advancements. Now, I, I wasn't going to share this, but I think it's really important before we jump in to some of these, some of these stories, is I, I want to just be clear on all these gifts, we've, we've mentioned the fact that there is, there is the possibility to run into unhealthy places and abuses, right? You guys on the same page with me? I want you to know that there is, there is a difference between presumption and faith, uh, we have to be careful not to presume upon God. In other words, what we actually do is we try to force God to do what we want rather than faith in what God has spoken for us to do. For example, Jesus, when he was in the wilderness, was tempted by Satan, and he was brought up to the top of the temple, and Satan said, basically, if you jump, you know that God will send angels to take care of you. And Jesus' response was, is, man shall not test God. Jesus knew that if he jumped, that wasn't actually faith, that was presumption. He was actually going to be trying to force the hand of God upon his life. And so I want to just be clear. You may say, well, how do you know? It's a very fine line sometimes. That's why we have to be so committed to intimacy with Jesus and in the word of God. Because that, that's one of the clear ways that we'll be able to tell um, if we're moving in alignment with, with, with what God has really spoken. I also want you to know that faith doesn't mean that we do nothing. Faith, faith doesn't excuse or eclipse the natural realm, right? There are people who are called to do nothing and God just provides supernaturally for them. But I've also heard many who don't work and sit home and say, I'm just living a life of faith. <laughs> uh, we need to be careful with that. We need to be careful with that. It's easy to say that, but that's really not living a life of faith. We're actually trying to force the hand of God again. Again, people can do that. I've, I've been on the one end of that as working ministry with low income, and God has just moved upon people to provide. Um, but I just want to share that it doesn't excuse the natural realm. Proverbs 21.31 says this, The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. And so man prepares the horse for battle, so there's a part that he has, but ultimately there's faith for God to, to win the war for them. And so there's, there's a coupling of the, of the natural and the supernatural realm. And the last thing I want to share with you, and some of you may not even be aware of this teaching, some of you may, 
but there's something known as the, and it's important, I think we have to hit it for a second, known as the word of faith teaching. The word of faith teaching. Now, to be clear, we're not in alignment with the word of faith teaching. However, most people only know of the extremes that have taken place that are pretty disgusting and, and, and it could really, there's abuse. But actually, if, if you have more scholarly resources, you'll actually find, and I want to be fair, that there's a lot of good that men, these men were going after. That they, they were really actually breaking some things that I think were unhealthy in the church, but if, it went to an unhealthy place. And I just want to share two things as to why, because it's important that we're on the same pages. Is one, there was an exaggeration of the role of faith. Again, it goes along with the idea of presumption. Essentially, we were not serving God. God is serving us. And we can send him out to do whatever we want. It becomes very man-centered rather than God-centered. And with that, again, we can fall into this place of, 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 of really just this false hype. And that's the second thing, is not only was there exaggeration in the role of faith, but it's, it's a misunderstanding on the place of confession. You may have heard the expression, name it and claim it, right? Um, again, I want to be clear that if you actually study, there's really good things that, that was trying to take place. But with that, what happens is, is we place this, this unhealthy, unhealthy stress on the confession. Basically, whatever you confess, you can make it reality. Confession brings possession. And this gets really strange when it starts going into money. And of course, uh, you probably have heard of that. And in that, really the teaching is that the only difference between you being a millionaire or a pauper is based on your lips. If you will just confess it, you will have it. And I just, I share that because I know it's a strong, it was a strong movement within the charismatic church, and we are a charismatic church, but again, we don't, we don't align with that, all right? So let's just look through a few stories here. You don't need to turn there, I'll just explain it to you. In Numbers chapter 13, there's a well-known story regarding the 12 spies. And I want to just teach these things, and I believe it's really just going to provoke faith and, and the gift of faith to be released here. In Numbers chapter 13, there's a story of the 12 spies. It's pretty well known, but essentially the Israelites were moving from the wilderness into the promised land. And as they were making progress, God had instructed Moses to take one person from each tribe and to actually go into the promised land to spy it out. And when they came back and reported back to the people, 10 of the spies essentially said, look, they even brought back fruit. In fact, it was so big, they had to carry the cluster of grapes on a pole. It was exactly what God had said. This was a place abounding in fruit, abounding in milk and honey. And they came back and said, look, it's true. We see the stuff God said, but there's also, it's a fortified city. There's, there's strong armies. And they even went on to say, there's giants in the land. But two of these men, Joshua and Caleb, said, look, I see the same thing that these men see except I also see exactly what God has promised us. I see the fruit. I see the land. And I, I want to I just start here, that the gift of faith, this is so important, especially as, as a church plant. This is what God was showing me, is that as we are making movement towards expanding God's kingdom and invading kingdom of darkness, that as we do that, we are going to come up against different strongholds from financial to spiritual and we will see things and say, man, I don't know if we can enter into this place. I don't know if we can really have an impact on the William Floyd School District. That thing just may be off, off limits. I don't know if we could really have, make any dent on addiction that's just running rampant in this place. 
we'll run into situations where we'll say, I don't think we can do this. I know God has spoken something, but I just think it's off limits for us. And what God will do is he will release the gift of faith so that there will be people that will stand up in the middle of that and say, no, God has proclaimed that this is ours. God has said that we can take this land. Jesus Christ paid for this thing on the cross. His blood covers everything, and therefore we can go for it. The gift of faith, this is so essential, the gift of faith opens barriers for us to move into a realm that we once declared impossible. The gift of faith will take us where our talents and our our resources could never take us as a church plant. When we reach the places that our budgets can't calculate, that our budgets don't align with what God has promised, we need the gift of faith to rise up to say, no, if God said it, he will do it. Start to step forward. We have to have that, or along the way, we will all naturally resort back to doing ministry in the natural realm. We need the gift of faith to rise up. That's why we have to hunger for it. We have to pursue and say, God, may it be active in this place to stir us to not settle for what we could do in our own strength. There's a story. Let me put it this way. There was a time when it was believed that you could not run a mile under four minutes. Chris is all excited, our runner over there. He had a, he had a crushing defeat at the table, so he's, he's come back. <laughs> um, there was a time where it was believed that you could not break a four-minute mile. In fact, doctors and scientists came into agreement through their studies and said, this is humanly impossible. The stress on the body, they can't take it for, to run at that pace for that long. It, it's just, it's humanly impossible. But there were a few individuals who didn't want to settle for the conclusion that these so-called experts had made. They had said, this is off limits, but there were some who said, there's no way. And on May 6, 1954, a man by the name of Roger Bannister, who was a medical student in the UK, ran a mile in 3 minutes and 59.4 seconds. And the crowd absolutely erupted and went nuts. Now, here's what's the best part, though, is you would say, wow, he's probably still in the record books as holding it. No. Just weeks later, the record was broken again and again. And months later, it was broken again. Because when he broke that, he broke an athletic and a mental barrier that people thought couldn't be done. The gift of faith breaks barriers that opens the door for us to say, oh my goodness, I didn't realize we could walk in that. That is available? You, you, mean, you mean someone can be healed of cancer? You mean, you mean they're actually, we watched in uh, 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 Alpha, Grant, this guy Graham C., true story, was literally 19, I don't know, his whole life he was doing drugs, it was crazy. And, uh, and he was, his mother called him the son of the devil. I mean, this guy was out of control. He was drinking on the streets. Christians would minister to him. And, uh, and what happened was, as he was drinking, his whole body just, he just collapsed. He died. He went into a coma. They put, brought him in the hospital. His family were actually signing off the, the last rites, and it was over. And those, these Christians showed up, and they said, can we pray for him? And the mother said, what good's that going to do? He's dead. And they went, and they prayed for him. And he came up out of the coma. And not only did he come up out of the coma, he never did drugs again. 19 years now, his ministry is on the streets rescuing people. 
When the gift of faith rises, man, it breaks open new barriers for us to say, yes, we can do this. Man, can we believe in this community for really, for addiction to be swallowed up? I understand we're in a broken world, but can we believe to say, man, I believe that we'll see more people living in victory than we are in defeat in this place. I'll see schools coming back to have, teaching the Bible again. Could we believe that God wants to do something impossible through this body and in this community? Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Tasting is a matter of experience. Seeing is a matter of perception. See, when, when we taste God and experience God, it changes our perception. When we taste the kingdom of God and see something, it begins to shift the way we think. That which we once said couldn't happen, now we say, wait a minute, this can happen. And so when the gift of faith is released, it leads us to taste and encounter and experience God and his kingdom in a way we have never experienced before. And as a result, the entire perception of our body changes. And now we say once that which was once impossible is now possible for us to walk in. The gift of faith, the way the Lord, I feel like, was showing me is like, is like a bellow. You know what a bellow is? The windbag that you squeeze together and it blows the air out and it begins to fan the flame so the fire begins to go. The gift of faith is like a bellow. As it's released in this body, as you speak to people, man, it just begins, the Holy Spirit just begins to move powerfully. And the fire of God begins to be stirred up in every heart to say, we can do this. I want you to know, we don't just need the gift of faith on a corporate level, but there's people maybe in this room that are on the verge of just brokenness in their families and addictions and hopelessness, and you've got to these places, and we need God to manifest through us. It could be in a one-on-one -on -one conversation where you just say, like, man, I know you say that there's no hope for you, but no, I feel like God is saying right now, he's going to change and touch your life. We need the gift of faith to move like that. God actually told the Israelites in that story of the 12 spies, he actually said before they went to the land, he says, you possess this land. This land is yours. You just have to go take it. And the Lord was showing me that the gift of faith has, has this unique ability to take what's in our account and bring it into our possession. You see, what good is it if we have millions of dollars in our account, but we can't withdraw it? The gift of faith says, Jesus Christ died for this. This is available. And the gift of faith says, let's go for it. Now, I want to be, be really clear with you. Here's one of the ways that we can also, there's a misunderstanding with faith. A lot of times we think that strong faith means we have to deny the reality of what's happening. Faith means that, that, that we just say it's all good and it means all good. If you actually read this story more in depth and you look at other stories as well, you will find that Joshua and Caleb, they, they never came back and said, I don't know what the heck these guys are talking about. I didn't see any fortified cities. I didn't see any, I didn't see any armies. I didn't see any of that. These, these, they acknowledged the existence of the challenge and the struggle. Faith, faith does not deny the existence of struggle. Faith does not deny the existence of challenges. Faith does not deny the existence of suffering. It just denies its influence. They saw that and said, I see the challenge, but I'm not going to allow that to influence me more than what God has spoken over us. So we need the gift of faith to come up and rise up. Then we start to be influenced more by the challenges that we see as a body and the things in our life that someone can come along and say, guys, I know we see that, but don't forget what God has spoken. Let's move forward. We can take this. Let's take risk. 
God has declared that he's with us and he's for us. And that's exactly what Joshua and Caleb did. And as, as I, I shared before, I believe this, especially for us, as we are a new church in this area, how important it is for a, a church that's being birthed to be hungry for the gift of faith to operate. And I, I point that out because, you know, all of us here can say we believe in the gift of faith, right? We all believe it exists. But the question is, is if someone came into our body, would they see that? Would they see that gift really operating in our midst? And as we've prepared for, for planning this church and had some experience, there's nothing wrong with these things. I don't want to go on an unhealthy route, but there's so many seminars on church planning techniques, and there's many books that we've read ourselves on the best practices and tools, and there's many different ways you can get funding and training, and that's all good. But man, how much more do we need to say, God, if we're going to do something, we need faith to rise up. Like, we can have all the training in the world. We can read all the books we want. But, God, we need, we need you to manifest in this body with supernatural faith if we're actually going to do what you've called us to do. We need the gift of faith to rise up. We just can't see a way. Do you know that with God, all things are possible, it says? Do you know that's Jesus' words? Which means that we should, we should be taking risks. And this is hard for me because I like to be in control, but the Lord is saying, as a body, God is inviting us to take risks because he's saying nothing is impossible for him. I just want to provoke as not only just to have the gift moving, but I want, I want to see this thing moving at a max level. And God said nothing is impossible for him. Let, let me present it to you this way. Jesus, Jesus never set a boundary for us as to how far we can go. He only set a direction for which we are to run in. In other words, Leaders will often, we can often set boundaries and say, we can believe for this much, but let's not go more than that. Jesus actually never sets boundaries. He just says, this is what's open. Go on this road. For, for example, he says, he tells us that he wants to do exceedingly abundantly, I love this scripture, above all that we could ask or think. He's, he's literally saying, Paul, Paul is speaking to us and literally saying, do you know that God, through you, he wants to do more than that you can even pray for? What you, get, you can't even pray for the things that God wants to do through your life. As a body, we can't even begin to pray for what God wants to do. Do you know he says more than you think? I mean, you can't even imagine what God wants to do in and through us. That's profound. Do you think maybe we've just settled on the wrong end of faith? Do you think maybe God is trying to provoke something to say, man, we need to dream big? He said, what he said, he said what, ask, whatever you ask in my name, according to the will of the Father, whatever. Jesus said everything that he received from the Father, he's made available to us. And then, of course, he said, not only we do the things that I've been doing, but you will do greater things. Jesus never said, guys, go this far and then stop here. He just said, the door is open. This is the direction. Now go. But why do we place limitations and why do we say, well, that's not in our reach or God doesn't want us to do that? I'll tell you this. If, if we err on the wrong side of something, let's err on the side of when Jesus returns, he says, wow, you guys took me a little bit way too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You know what it says, though, when Jesus returns? Does, does it say when, when Jesus returns, he's going to ask, was there excessive faith? Jesus wasn't worried about coming back and saying, oh my goodness, these people just went way too far. <laughs> when Jesus comes back, he said, will I find faith? 
He actually said, I'm not concerned if anyone's going to go too far. He says, I, I, what I want to know is, will anyone actually walk in what I've made available? Will anyone actually step out and take risk in their life? Because my blood has covered everything and has made a way for everything to be redeemed. The gift of faith looks like, you guys follow me? Yeah. The gift of faith looks like a young boy who walks up into the midst of a, a battle scene of his nation. His nation's army is at a standstill because there's an enemy that comes out day after day and begins to hurl insults and strike fear in their hearts that they cannot move forward. And it looks like a young boy in the midst of everyone cowering back in fear, the gift of faith comes upon a young boy who rises up and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defiles the army of the living God? We need Davids to rise up. That when everyone says, we can't move forward, guys, we can't touch this, that one rises up and says, who is this right here? Who said we can't do this? Jesus has paid the price for this. Let's go for this. Listen, we'll, we'll, we'll hit things in our life as a body, I believe, just, just like I shared before, but in the picture of David and Goliath where we'll come up to these, to these places where, again, there's this standstill. And we're meant to be as the kingdom of God advancing. And there's things that are going to come up and want us to come to a halt and say, okay, that's as far as we can go. And we, the, it's the gift of faith that cracks us through that and opens up another realm for us to say, okay, now this is the new normal. That's why we needed to move in this place, no matter what it is, on a corporate level or personal level. And I, I want to I be clear on this. We need to be aware of something. It's in all these stories, but especially the story of David. If you look at how Saul approached David, and man, I'm so guilty of this. This is me and my wife. My wife, I believe, the, 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 the gift of faith is always manifesting. <laughs> and I'm like Saul in this. Saul comes up to David and says, David, Goliath is older than you've even been, uh, he's, he's, has more years of experience in the battlefield than you've even been alive. You don't stand a chance. And, and what the Lord, I believe what the Lord is showing me is that if we're not careful, we can say that's wisdom. We could say that's wisdom. And I've heard it put this way, and it actually, it just connected so well, and it's better than I can ever say it, but if we give a virtuous name to unbelief, we give it permission to stay. And so we come up against something and we say, now, now, David, let's not be unrealistic. You're, you're, you're a young boy. You can't do this. And all around, it, we have to fight the temptation and say, that's wisdom. When really, it's unbelief that's being disguised in this. And so we need the gift of faith to crack through that. And really what it is is, honestly, we're not willing to take the necessary risks to advance the kingdom of God. And so we need to say, Lord, expose that false wisdom. There are times for that, but I, man, when I, when I start thinking about this, I said, Lord, how guilty am, uh, am I am of this? My wife is shaking her head, giving her so much wisdom to say, no, you can't do that, Crystal. And the Lord is saying, no, 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 you, you can step into this. It's the, uh, it's the idea of, of the, the theology of the already not yet, which is that the kingdom of God has already come, but it has not yet come in its fullness. You guys are aware of this? Jesus brought the kingdom in. That's why we're seeing the, the restoration of things. But it's true. There is a measure of which we will not see the fullness of it until Christ returns. Our mortal bodies couldn't handle the full glory of God's kingdom. But I think we often, we often settle on a side that we're still not walking in all that God has. Clearly we know that because we see things in the scriptures and church history that I know I haven't encountered. 
So I know at the very least, just from that alone, there's more. And I think what can happen, though, is it's similar to what I started with of how we can create doctrine and hold to doctrine to hide our unbelief, is that we can say, well, we don't have this because that's the not yet. When Jesus comes back, then we can see this take place. And again, there, maybe there's truth in some of these things, but all I know is, well, let's, let's take risk. <laughs> and if we can't see it on this side, then okay, the worst thing is, Lord, we really stepped out and went for it. The gift of faith looks like a man by the name of Moses, who when he was called to lead people, his, his God's people, the nation of Israel, out of Egypt, he finds himself with, on one side, on his back, the Red Sea. And on the other side, he sees an Egyptian army barreling down on him. And not only that, he has his entire people crying out in fear and in, in, <laughs> with lack of peace and literally saying, we're going to die? Why did you take us out of Egypt? And Moses says this in Exodus 14, verse 13. He says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The gift of faith looks like when all of us are running frantic as how this will happen, God will release the gift of faith so that someone stands up and says, just stand firm. God is faithful to his word. He will do exactly what he says he will do. And I want to share another thing that we need to be aware of that is highlighted, I think, in this story. One of the things that stuck out to me regarding Moses and the Israelites in the story of, of the parting of the Red Sea is the clear distinction of demeanor between Moses and the rest of the people. You guys follow me? If you've read the story, you know the, the Israelites are pictured as frantic, restless, lack of peace, freaking out, speaking death out. <laughs> and there's Moses who there's this quiet resolve and trust that's literally saying just hang tight, God is going to come through. And I don't know about you, but when I walk through something and I'm seeing a challenge that's really struck anxiety in me, I typically want to bring someone to see from the same level I am and, and experience the same level of anxiety with me. That's how I know that they're actually walking with me. And Moses was for his people, but he did not have to adopt their fear, their lack of rest, their lack of peace to prove that he was walking with them. The gift of faith, we need to be careful of this, is that when we can identify with a body that maybe is struck in fear, but we don't have to adopt those things to say, I, I, I told you that I'm with you. We can actually still walk in faith in order to encourage them and to bring them out of that. The other thing Moses doesn't do, though, is he doesn't mock them. And I really want to highlight this before, before we bring it to a close. Moses, Moses, not only does he not just identify and walk in that restlessness with them, but he also doesn't mock them for their lack of faith. Remember what we said, that the, these gifts must have a foundation of love. And one of the ways that the gift of faith is completely distorted and perverted and used to divide is when rather than realizing that God has given you a certain grace to edify and encourage and to bring other people in, you actually take that gift and you begin to condemn and mock others and look down upon others for their lack of faith. And so think about it. It's a gift from God. It's not even ours to boast in. And one of the worst things that we can do is we take that. Maybe God's given us a, a certain grace for a certain situation, and we begin to speak over other people who aren't seeing it the same way. We begin to say, man, you're going to repent for that because you don't have the faith that I have. That's extremely dangerous and destructive when really God has given that to actually be edifying to those people and to bring them with us.
And the last thing we see in the New Testament, I'm not gonna share any stories here, but I just want you to see this as a whole. In the New Testament, the gift of faith, you could, you could, you could express it this way. It's mountain-moving faith. This is actually an expression that's used throughout the Bible, but you see it really take shape and form in, in the New Testament. Right? What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 13 on the chapter of love? He said what? He said, if you have all faith to move mountains. How many times did Jesus say, if you just have the size of a faith the size of mustard seed, you will move mountains? This is an expression used often to basically talk about a, an insurmountable obstacle. Something that human effort could never move. And God wants to release that faith so that when we come up to these obstacles, even though maybe the majority of us say, I don't know how we can do this, there's some who will have a certain grace to say, no, we can move forward. Worship team, come on back up. We're going to close in, in prayer in just a moment. But I really, I, I pray that, that even right now the Holy Spirit is just provoking hunger and a, and a desire to want to seek, seek after Faith, maybe whatever, wherever it looks like, if it's this supernatural gift of faith or just saying, Lord, I want to I trust you more. I just, I just believe God is, is, there's something about faith that God wants to impart here today. And if we're going to see, if we're going to be a body of, of faith, if we're going to have that, we're going to have to steward that in order to see that part of our culture. When, when I, I worked at a previous ministry where there was such a fear of backsliding that that's all we spoke about. And guess what happened? Many people backslide. If we're going to steward a culture of faith, we're going to have to start to speak the right things over one another. We're going to actually have to identify and trust that not only have we died with Christ, but we've been raised to new life and now walk in the power that he's given us, the resurrection power. We have to begin to proclaim these things over one another so that we can begin to believe and begin to say, man, this is possible for us. Listen, faith, faith does not come from us fighting our unbelief. It comes from seeing Jesus. The more you see Jesus, the more your faith will rise. We need to be a people that is hungry for Jesus. I haven't even scratched the surface of one example after another through history of men and women who the spirit and the gift of faith came upon and they changed this world. There was a man by the name of George Mueller. Have any of you heard of him? This man believed for the impossible with God. Really, from a young age, God, God just had shown that he could provide in the most miraculous ways. And later on in his life, George Mueller felt this burden on his heart to start an orphanage. And God would provide in the most miraculous ways for him. There's one story in particular where George Mueller says the, the house mother of the orphanage said she got all the kids dressed, all 300. They went to sit at dinner time, except she went to George Mueller and said, the only problem is we have no food. And he said, go tell the kids to sit down and thank God for the food that's coming. And wouldn't you know right after, after the kids prayed, and this is just one of many stories, there was a knock on the door, and it was a local baker, and he said, George, I couldn't sleep all night because I know I'd have to bake you bread in the morning. So here it is. A few minutes later, he got a knock on the door. The milkman's cart broke down. <laughs> and the milkman said, George, could your orphanage use this milk? Because by the time the wheel is fixed, it will spoil. And 300 kids had their, had their meal. 
over and over and over again, 10,000 kids went through this orphanage. When they would leave, leave this orphanage, George would take, George, like I know him. <laughs> he, would, he would take a Bible and a coin, money. He'd put a Bible in their right hand and a coin in their left hand. And he'd look at them and he'd say, son, if you're faithful to what is in your right hand, God will always make sure you have something in your left hand. We need George Mueller's to rise up. We need men and women of faith to say, I don't care what it looks like. If God has declared it, we're going to do it. William Wilberforce, a, a, a British politician, dedicated his entire life to the, to the uh, uh, abolishing slavery. This man was persecuted in ways that I, I don't even want to go through, I never dream of. And towards the end of his life, the bill was passed that slavery was abolished. Three days later, he died. His entire life was dedicated to this. There was, a, there was a gift of faith upon his life. What does it look like in this body? Where's the David to rise up? Where's the Joshua and Caleb? Where's the William Wilberforce? Let's not be content with gathering here on a Sunday, but let's say, Lord, do it again. Let's hunger for God to move through us. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.